Welcome to another episode of Behold Pop Culture, the show where we take a look at some prominent people, figures, and events in pop culture today and in the past and try and see what lessons we could take away from them. The Los Angeles Lakers finally won a game. On Sunday after sporting an 0-5 record and being the talk of the town as arguably the worst team in the NBA, they finally won a game. Their new head coach, Darvin Ham, put Westbrook on the bench. And he was finally able to flourish in the role that a lot of basketball fans knew he would need to survive. And that is a role where he is not just a ball-dominant player, but the one with the ball in his hands 90% of the time. Which can't work when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, two of the best players in the NBA, on the court at the same time. So you put Westbrook with less talented players but great role players and he'll push the pace, test that tempo, and put them in positions to be successful. Whether that's him driving to the basket and dishing out to an open three or pulling up for a mid-range shot because teams are backing up on him and allowing the spacing to be dictated by those around him. This was proven even further by the fact that he almost put up a 20-point triple-double. It was as if we saw remnants of that old MVP, Russell Westbrook. And this was against a respectable playoff team in the Denver Nuggets, the same team that had the most wins in the NBA last year, led by two-time back-to-back MVP, Nikola Jokic. So the players were excited There were tears being shed. Darvin Ham was talking about how much Westbrook went through being slandered all year long. And they go in the locker room and shower him with water. Mainly celebrating the fact that it was his first win as a head coach in the NBA. Now, Westbrook should stay on the bench in that role. And the questions of whether or not they would even have a chance to make the playoffs are now becoming... Will they end up in that play-in tournament range just on the outskirts, potentially giving them just a chance for LeBron to have that one great game that he needs to put them into the playoffs? Meanwhile, the Golden State Warriors are sputtering a little bit. And it really was kicked off by a game against the Phoenix Suns where they got blown up by 30 points. But the game was not really in their hands once it got to the third quarter. Devin Booker was lighting them up all over the court. He was talking to Clay. Clay was saying, you don't have four rings. You don't have a single ring. Devin Booker was just giving them bucket after bucket after bucket. And Clay, for the first time in his career, got so frustrated that he was ejected from the game. But it's okay. This is the Golden State Warriors that we're talking about. Not just the defending champions, but a team that with the same core, Steph Curry, Clay, and Draymond, have four rings in the last decade. So it's okay. They're going to manage their best players' minutes early in the season, continue to develop their young talent, the rookies, the sophomores, the guys that they want to be able to play pivotal roles like a Kevon Looney got the opportunity to be in the finals last year. But in the grand scheme of things, these are the games where when you're coming to the end of the year and you're saying, I would like to be a first seed so that I play a trash team to start off my playoff run, losing to the Hornets 
the Pistons, those teams that their dreams of the playoffs really end at a first-round exit are the games where you'll look back and say, dang, if only we won those games, those were give-me's. But it's not easy for every team to determine what their ceiling is on a year-to-year basis. Yes, you'll have a team like the Hornets who knows that they can't compete with the top-end talent of the Bucks. But then you have teams like the Dallas Mavericks, who made it to the conference finals last year and put up a very good fight against the Golden State Warriors. And now, to open up this season, Luka Doncic looks extremely dominant. He's playing as good as ever, and he has become the first player since Michael Jordan to score 30-plus points in the first six games of a season. That is some rare air, no pun intended, to be amongst. But the Mavericks are only 3-3, three and three, a team that got a lot of criticism because they were so reliant on Luka Doncic and really had the light flashed on them as a big reason that they were able to contend last year was Jalen Brunson being able to spell some of those minutes where Luka isn't having the ball in his hands, crossing people up, hitting threes. But you lost him. And it seems like that same complaint has been ramped up to a 10 because of how reliant the offense continues to be with Luka Doncic. Now, they acquired a couple players, mainly Christian Wood, who stepped into a position off the bench where he could give you 10 points quick in that six-man role. But when you're talking about getting from point zero to point 100, nine times out of 10, those points are coming from Luka Doncic or a play that was created because of him. So he's putting up video game numbers right now. We're talking 30, 40-point triple-doubles. But, but this team is not great defensively, especially in the paint. And it's just starting to remind me of the LeBron-Cleveland Cavaliers years where LeBron was clearly ascending to the best player in the world status. He wasn't going to win that chip with players that could only dream <laughs> – of entering the status of being part of pop culture. Even though he dragged a couple above-average players to the NBA Finals, they got swept. He clearly could tell that they wouldn't be able to get the job done, and he had to depart to team up with players like Wade, Bosh, Kyrie, Kevin Love in order to win those championships. So Luka Doncic is going to continue to be an amazing player. But what is that team ceiling? Would you trust them against the Milwaukee Bucks? Putting players like Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Giannis on Luka, who are great defenders in their own right? Would you trust them against the Warriors after the Warriors found a way to defeat them? These are questions you have to ask yourselves. And with an owner like Mark Cuban, who is so attached to wanting to let this Mavericks team win another championship, that's where you have to consider compiling assets and making a trade for someone who could work alongside Luka. Several star players in the NBA know about this, like a Kawhi Leonard, who was left with the Spurs team after Tim Duncan departed, 
the six-ring Tim Duncan and knew that he wouldn't be able to carry them all the way. Yes, Kawhi was and is a phenomenal player, arguably the best player when you consider his two-way potential being the best defender and best offensive player on a given night. But Batman needed a Robin, so he departed to the Toronto Raptors where he got his Kyle Lowry in the very, very last year of his prime. He got Pascal Siakam, who is a very underrated player in the NBA, and won a championship immediately. But now Kawhi Leonard is reported to potentially be having degenerative knee issues. He sat out all season last year and still isn't healthy, making a lot of Clippers fans pretty uneasy despite the fact that they have a superstar partner with Paul George, someone who could definitely take them to the playoffs, but that same ceiling that I'm talking about comes down if you can't get a healthy Kawhi Leonard. He's already slated to miss the next few games for the Los Angeles Clippers. And without him, that team, a team that I will say right here and right now should win the NBA championship when healthy because of how much depth they have, a ceiling that was once the roof becomes very, very capped and starts reminding me of the same issues that Luka Doncic is facing. So I hope that Kawhi Leonard can resolve whatever issues he has with his knee, at least to make the playoffs. Paul George could get you there, but you need to be quite literally 100% when those playoffs come if Paul George is going to MVP himself and that team all the way there all season long. But when you look at the teams like the Lakers and the Clippers who made these big acquisitions to put superstars together, I think it's time that we say that the era of the super team is dead. It started with the Boston Celtics getting Rajon Rondo, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen together to make an unstoppable force and win a championship. You're talking about an MVP-level player in Kevin Garnett and three All-Stars, three Hall of Famers right next to him. But then they got taken down by a Lakers team that, in comparison, was far less talented. Then we had the Miami Heat, and everyone remembers LeBron with the decision, saying, oh, it was a hard decision to make, but I've decided to take my talents to South Beach and join up with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, where they were supposed to win not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, maybe nine, maybe ten rings. They won two, they went back-to-back, but they also had one of the biggest upsets in NBA history when the Dallas Mavericks took them down. LeBron takes the same super team idea to Cleveland, wins their first championship for that city in over 50 years, and then continues to get dismantled year after year by the Warriors who were homegrown. The peak of the super team era had to be, obviously, the Warriors getting Kevin Durant, but then Durant took that ideal to the Nets who have become somewhat of a circus show, and live on the air, I'm hearing that Steve Nash just got fired. In between that, 
We had Harden and Westbrook fail on the Rockets. Westbrook and Paul George fail in OKC. And now Paul George and Kawhi starting to trend towards not winning a chip. So the rise has come for the homegrown team with the Warriors coming back into relevance last year. The Celtics finally putting things together for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to be the young leaders of the team, taking them into finals contention. And the Milwaukee Bucks, who really only made a significant acquisition with Drew Holiday, who is far from a superstar and definitely not a household name. He's a great piece on a championship team that as long as they have that guy in green, Giannis Antetokounmpo, they'll continue to compete year after year. So with that being said, one team sits atop the league with a 6-0 record, and that is the Milwaukee Bucks, as Giannis is still the best player in the world and trending towards and trending towards winning another MVP and another defensive player of the year. But while we're on the topic of best players in the world, in the NFL, someone who was not just the best player in the world, but the best player at his position of all time, Tom Brady, lost once again this past week against the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson was doing his thing. Superstar quarterback, former MVP, known for his ability to run at the quarterback position that's eerily reminiscent of Michael Vick. He makes play after play despite having injuries in his offense to a couple of his best players. But we watched as for another week, Tom Brady is missing passes. He's getting sacked. He looks like he can't handle the pressure. He has two phenomenal receivers in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And one, Chris Godwin, is wasting touches, not being able to break out big runs. And Mike Evans is also dropping passes. So they can't finish drives. They look like the soul has been sucked out of this team. And the day after this game, Tom Brady announces that he's getting a divorce from his wife. And I can't help but see this figure who has far transcended the football world into pop culture. This is a champion. Seven rings. All the records for quarterbacks, he's in those conversations. He wins the seven rings. Last year, not only does he put up some of the best numbers of his careers, both yards and touchdown-wise, but he's voted by his peers to be the number one player in the NFL. He retires. It seems like we're getting the storybook ending with a documentary coming out on him, him thanking the league, and the team is ready to move on. A month later, he returns. He says that football is not done yet for him. And now the team that he's returned to got struck with the injury bug, and they're bad. They're one of the worst teams in the conference. Brady looks like he's having zero fun out there on the field. And I I didn't want it to come to this. We watched other GOATs like Peyton Manning, like Eli Manning, have the game retire them as they would step out on the field and try to throw the ball and the ball would not be in agreement with them. 
and the media comes out and they retire you. Hey, buddy, you get that condescending pat on the back. It's about that time, pal. And now as the host of Behold Pop Culture, I'm taking this time out to pat Tom Brady on the back and say, it's about that time, buddy. Ride into the sunset. Finish out the season. You know, maybe make it into the playoffs. You'll win a game or two. Lose. Stay out there on the field. Let the fans clap. And go home. Respectfully. I hope for his sake that he resolves all the turmoil that has leaked into the public. And on the last note of sports, the World Series is in in full go mode, dealing with multiple postponements due to weather conditions, and and the Houston Astros are once again in controversy from a player claiming to have an illegal bat, accusations of sticky substances for the pitchers, and at this point, any investigation into the Houston Astros cheating is justified. After they got caught banging on trash cans, leaking signals, and things of that nature, they deserve everything that's coming over there. So we'll see. The series at the moment of this recording is tied 1-1. It seems like the court of public opinion is rooting heavily for the underdog team, Philadelphia, to win the trip. Last week, I came and told you about Taylor Swift's new album, Midnight's, being projected to sell 1 million copies. Guess what? It sold 1.5. And on top of that, 1 million of those were physical. Yes. Taylor Swift moved a million physical copies. We're talking like vinyls in a week. Absolutely astronomical numbers for an artist. She was going so crazy that she has claimed all 10 of the top 10 songs on the Billboard Hot 100. Pure and utter domination. To the point where we spoke about Drake and 21 Savage being or expecting to drop that Friday. And in the middle of the week, we get a report. Drake's producer, 40, is sick, cannot complete the production, the mixing and mastering. So we're pushing the album back. Hmm. That's a odd time to get sick. A funny coincidence when a juggernaut just so happens in the same week to be doing these numbers. Now, I'm not saying that 40 is not sick. I'm just saying that it's a funny coincidence. I hope 40 resolves that issue. So Taylor Swift got them to push their album back. Artists even smaller to them are saying that they're pushing their album back to move out of Drake's way. So this is just a trickle-down effect of this massive pop culture star just bumping everybody out the paint, boxing them out like Shaquille O'Neal. So congratulations to her. From everything I hear, her fans are ecstatic, enjoying the music. 
And she proves once again that she's one of those rare cheat codes in the industry. To the point where I was surprised that a couple other significant drops even saw the light of day. The biggest one being Rihanna making her return to music as she dropped the song Lift Me Up for the soundtrack of Black Panther. A great lullaby type of song that just has you thinking, we need more of this. This is why so many people say that she's the most anticipated artist to drop. It was arguably between her and Kendrick during Kendrick's hiatus, but Kendrick came back, he returned, and dropped a great album. You see clips of his tour, people are going crazy. He's altering the songs every time for his performance, putting his own twist based on how he's feeling, and the fans are loving that. From the United States to the furthest parts of Europe. But that closed the book on him being the most anticipated artist to drop. So who is it now? By far and away, Rihanna. So she snuck that in, gave us a taste. Like When you have that craving and you could just taste it in your mouth and people want more. Now, let's not forget, Rihanna is slated to perform at the Super Bowl. Will there be new music performed there is the question that is on everybody's mind. R&B artist SZA also slipped a song in there with a video featuring Lakeith Stanfield. And amidst all of this, rapper Kodak Black released an album that really got buried by everything else taking place in the industry. I don't expect us to hear anyone talking about it until the later parts of this week. So we'll see if that album is some undercover great music, but can you blame anyone for moving out of the way of these releases? I mean, my goodness. Luckily, in the movie industry, it doesn't really work like that. Yes, you want to get out of the way of releases like The Avengers or Avatar is going to be a big movie that's coming out, but we only get a couple of those a year, so there's a lot of open weeks for people to drop and The trickle-down effect is not too crazy. So I shed some light on The Black Adam, the new superhero movie featuring The Rock, which I spoke about on my last episode. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert here, as I'm going to reveal some things about the movie, but I've been seeing a lot of these official reports trashing it when, in my eyes, it was a great superhero movie. Great in the sense that it didn't rely on recognizable faces to push it. I mean, the general public knows The Rock, yeah, but the general public doesn't know Black Adam's story. Nor do they know the story of any of the other characters in the movie with a group known as the Justice Society. Uh, Only the real DC comic book fans knew in depth about these characters, their stories, their background. So the movie had a bit of a hill to climb with establishing them, something that Marvel tried when they released the movie Eternals that really had a lot of superheroes that the general public is not going to know. And they didn't do a great job at it. It kind of flopped. 
the heroes didn't come across as very compelling and there's not a lot of hunger or desire to see them return. But this movie, rather, did not isolate the Black Adam and his story as the end-all be-all of the movie. It is told through the perspective of a kid and his mother in a land that's being exploited for its resources, seeking a hero. Black Adam is not that hero. He's a father who got blessed with powers because his son wanted to save his life. And he has hatred in his heart and no desire to be this hero saving the day like Superman. But the kid peers into his heart. He, he breaks the shell and gets Black Adam to care just a little bit. Meanwhile, a group known as the Justice Society is trying to take him down so that he doesn't become a threat, so that he doesn't develop anger towards new people in a world that he's unfamiliar with and starts to wreak havoc because of how powerful he is. So the kid breaks the shell, and the city is about to be taken over by a literal demon trying to claim the crown and black adam comes to an agreement with the group that is meant to be hunting him down and they take down that evil force i enjoyed the way they got to that point i found not just black adam compelling as he was a little bit of a step outside the box for the rock because he wasn't the silly happy-go-lucky guy with the the flashy smile But the Justice Society each had distinctive personalities and distinctive powers that allowed them to stand out and play a role in their story where their dialogue actually mattered. So I saw that the Black Adam topped the box office two weeks in a row, reaching 250 mil grossed globally. It was a great choice to buy into Black Adam not being a cookie cutter hero. And I have to recommend that if you're at all a superhero fan, it's worth your time. I saved this last message to the very end of the podcast. As I and many other people woke up to some pretty disturbing news that certainly qualifies as popular culture. If you've ever heard of the group, the Migos, this is a group that came out of Atlanta And off of the back end of Future, another rapper out of Atlanta's career, at least coming down from his peak, there was a lot of conversation about the term mumble rap, a term that was attached to people who wouldn't enunciate their words as clearly. Sometimes it was because they were under an influence, but the sound that the word would make is what came out. The difference between the and uh, a similar noise, but not a word. A very controversial conversation where there were people who were hardcore rap fans who wanted everything to be enunciated and downplayed the artistic integrity of that art. And I want to say that the point where it really exploded was not with Future, nor was it with Young Thug, but it was with this small little group 
called the Migos, who were making songs with Drake. They had hit after hit after hit, classic mixtapes, classic projects. One of their members, Offset, was in jail and their songs were going crazy to the point where a name like Quavo became a household name to the point where these guys are being featured by the NBA. Their relationships became public. Their interviews were going viral. They had one of the biggest, if not the biggest dances in the world, the dab being done left and right from stars like Cam Newton. Their influence was undeniable. And many, many artists would come after them trying to capture even a little bit of what they did, taking influences from jazz sounds and ad-libbing in ways that really stood out to the point where people focused so much on their ad-libbing where they underrated their rapping ability. For a long time, this group stood together. It was great to see that potentially just there was a chance that this was a group that would never break up because we see it so often. And within the last year or so, a lot of hearts were broken because Offset separated. So Quavo and fellow member Takeoff went out on their own, started making their own music, and repurposed themselves as their own group. They showed that same fire and spark, but to my delight, they did not go out on a slander campaign against fellow member Offset. We all knew there was a dispute, but we don't know exactly what it was. Well, I regret to inform you that this legendary group has some pretty serious news that was brought to our attention. And that is that the rapper Takeoff has passed away. Allegedly, there was a dispute at a dice game that caused weapons to be brought out. There was some spray and fire, and he, someone who always was just quiet into himself, got caught in the crossfire, and he passed away. I don't want this to become a question of should you be playing dice, should you be gambling. It's not about that because these guys had money. As far as we know, they had a lot of money, and they were a voice and influence, especially in the city of Atlanta, but they went way beyond that. It's more of a testament to you, us, we, need to find that peace within ourselves to where something like losing money on a dice game doesn't need to become someone losing their life. Find that peace within yourself, within your emotions, so you can control it. Especially when there's firearms that could come into play. So there was a mistake made. There's no single person to blame. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to hope that we could take that away from it. It's never that serious to where someone needs to lose their life. I want my main public words on takeoff to be, in his passing, 
he was someone who focused so much on peace. You never saw him in public arguing, fighting. He did his thing on his records, rapped. A lot of people said that he was their favorite one, the favorite member of the group. Quavo got all the publicity early. Offset got where Cardi B and got his publicity there. But a lot of people related to the calmness that Takeoff had. It was a balance between the other two members. He never complained about being off of songs, not having his name be everywhere, being that household name. He just expressed love, as far as I saw, to his brothers. So he did his thing musically. I mean, all three of them are very talented. But Takeoff was, of the three, the one who was able to release a solo project, and I found it to be the best solo project. So I hope that we all can strive to find that peace within ourselves and to be able to have composure in the most hectic of situations and show that wisdom that is often attributed to older people, people who have a plethora of experiences to draw upon. They've been around the block. They've seen things. So seeing the same movie over and over, they're not going to be moved or surprised or shaken by it. Rest in peace to take off. I'm going to refer to him as his artist name because that's how we in the world knew him as, as Takeoff. I'm sending positive energy to him, his family, and everyone across the world who is mourning him. And I hope that you view him in as positive of a light as possible as he is guided on his journey through the afterlife. Rest in peace, take off. Rest in peace, take off. Let's strive for peace in our lives. This is Behold Pop Culture. <laughs>